Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers focused on topics of faith. We are family addressing the family, the body of Christ. Well, here we are. A month, is it, since we've seen each other? Yeah, about that, yeah. <laughs> it feels like forever, and I miss you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Far too long. Seriously. Oh, can't even go back to all that just experience, but it was absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So just to be back to our typical setting feels a little bit, uh, you know, unfamiliar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of getting... Wait, where are you at? <laughs> but it's going to be good because I'm super excited. Um, Philippians... Um, is the book that we're going to be talking about today. And it's been a book that's pretty special to me, been pretty special to me over the years. Um, but the thing that I think about when I think about Philippians is peace. Like mm. anytime I think of peace, Philippians is, is basically the first book that just comes back with with just verses or reminders or just things to anchor me back in peace. And um, when you think about how Philippians was even presented in the setting it was presented in, peace isn't necessarily something that it was birthed in, if you really think about it. Um, you know, the author being Paul, he was in prison writing. Um, so technically you wouldn't consider that really a peaceful situation. Um, and he's writing to a church who isn't necessarily experiencing peaceful things. Um, but again, when you think about the thought of peace, you only really think about the need for peace when there are things going on where you need peace. So it's very fitting that we're talking about um, peace and Philippians and just that Paul was the ideal person to talk about it. I mean, his whole ministry um, from his conversion onward, you know, he is someone who often shared about his trials, about his persecutions, about his troubles and all the places that he had been and just, you know, um, how God really kept him in a place of peace to go through all the things that he went through and still be on focus, on mission, on purpose. And I'm really inspired by him, you know, and um, yeah, that's why we're talking about that today. So what do you think about all of that so far. Yeah. Uh, Philippians has a special place in my heart too. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but um, actually my first ministry, um, the theme verse was Philippians 2.15. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So I, I love the book of Philippians and, and yeah, um, I would have, I would not have necessarily used the word peace, but it definitely just has this calming effect when you think about the book of Philippians. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's what I love as well. Um, just, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, Philippians four, um, and, and just kind of what that has, but, um, yeah, it just has like this, it's like when you just open the book of Philippians, like you just automatically feel like, okay, <laughs> like I'm in here, you know what I mean? And right. so, um, yeah, I, I love how you, you say the word peace. And then, you know, when you think about someone who wrote it, who was not in a state of peace at the time he wrote it, um, to just even have that as a backdrop as well. I mean, I think that's just a profound way of looking at it. And, mm -hmm. and I think even as we get into, you know, discussing it, you know, the heartbeat that we should have in thinking about the fact that the Apostle Paul can talk about peace, <laughs> not only because of his credentials, but just from the standpoint of like, 
I'm not even in peace as I'm giving this to you, but I'm still talking about peace. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> um, so no, I, I just it's such a beautiful book and it has so much um that yeah, I'm just excited to to get into it. Yeah. So yeah, the thought about him having internal peace, um, it just reminds me that the only way we can have peace with others is having internal peace within ourselves. Mm. And Paul always anchored himself in in the Lord. And we've seen that so many times through like his examples and acts and, um, you know, how he's worshiping in the in the cell, you know, when how, how many people would you hear having a praise and worship service in the jail? Never. Cell? <laughs> you know? I'd be in there weeping like, <laughs> and it wouldn't be tears of joy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like he he just it motivates me in so many ways. And so just knowing that you can't even convey or impart peace to others until you really have that stabilized internal peace within yourself. Um, it, it's really amazing. And another kind of thing that it, I just want to kind of just say this just because I, it just comes to my mind right now is, you know, when he had his conversion on, on the road to Damascus and the Lord had blinded him and he was blind for three days and he sends Ananias to him and Ananias is, you know, super afraid to to go and obey the Lord to help Paul, you know, restore his sight. One of the things that the Lord said to him is, I have shown him what things he must suffer for my namesake. Yeah. And sometimes we gloss over that part. But I think that as Paul was going through this whole, you know, salvation experience, transformation experience, like that was kind of a thing for him to always fall back on like, hey, I used to, you know, do this and that to the people of God. I used to persecute the people of God. I did all these things like, and the Lord told me, which is a gift to him to even be told by the Lord, the things that you're going to suffer. He didn't like go outline each and every single thing, but he at least gave him like, Hey, it's not going to be a rosy walk. You know, I let him know that he's going to suffer things for my name. And he still was willing to be that obedient uh, person for the Lord and say, Hey, the same energy that I had for these Pharisees and the law, I'm going to keep that same energy for the cause of Christ and the truth. Yeah. So I think that also helped to fortify his position of peace. And he also added to that because we know that peace is a virtue that we constantly have to, to replenish. You know, it's like that fruit of the spirit that you just don't get it once and you're done. It's constantly being um, renewed. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's just jump in. Um, Philippians chapter one. Um, I just have like, three and a half points, I'll say, <laughs> that I really want to pull out of this, um, this whole book. Um, the peace on purpose is really where I'm coming from. The overarching theme is peace on purpose. And so um, coming out of uh, chapter one, verse one, and that just says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So he's just saying who they are to address them. Verse two, he says, grace be unto you and peace from God, our father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is this important? He, uh, he often greets them in his letters with grace and peace be unto you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But um, when we look at those two words um, in the Greek, what they mean, uh, charis is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. So he's saying that may the Lord's grace be upon you and when you think of that word, grace, 
something that stood out to me this time around reading was how Paul had prayed for the Lord to remove an affliction from him, this thorn in his flesh that kept, you know, um, pestering him. And he said that he besought the Lord three times and the Lord said that my grace is sufficient for you. So mm -hmm. essentially he's saying, I'm not going to remove that. But if you put this word in that definition, the divine influence that I have upon your heart in my, in its reflection in your life, my grace is sufficient for you to sustain you through the fact that I'm not removing that thorn. That's deep. Right. And then he's also saying, and peace, which is irony in Greek. And that means quietness and rest from God. So basically just letting your heart be quiet and at rest, that you're not raging on the inside, that you're not weeping and wailing, that you can literally just let your heart and your mind be still. Um, a lot of times when you're not at peace, there's just so many things running through your mind and you don't really feel a sense of quietness and calm. And really, you know, when you think of the idea of disturbing the peace, um, it's not a quiet or peaceful, uh, calming situation that you think of. When you look at that in your mind's eye, it's kind of like a raging, loud, billowy, just roaring type of chaotic atmosphere, you know, no matter what the setting is that your imagination plays into it. So he's saying, he's basically trying to introduce grace and peace to you from the Lord, um, straight out from the beginning, right out of the gate. And one thing I love, the book of John chapter 14, he says in verse 27, peace I leave you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's saying, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. So in Amplify, he says, let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. The peace of God is something that cannot be matched. And so he reiterates, the peace I'm giving you is not a peace that the world or anything in the world you can attain by seeking it, whether it's from a person or through a thing, any substance, there's no way that you can seek the type of peace that I give you because it will never offer you or influence you the way that I can. Verse four, he says, in every prayer of mine for you, I make requests with joy. And in verse six, he says, being confident of this very thing that he that has begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I love that verse. And for Paul to say that he's praying for these saints, he's praying for these people. Mind you, uh, this church in Philippi was founded by Paul in the first place. And he was always a person who was concerned about his people that he um, had helped introduce to Christ, that he had helped birth Christ into. And so he wouldn't just start a church and just be like, all right, you're on your own. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> <laughs> he would go check on them or he would send other people to go and check on how they were doing. And he would, you know, send to hear of their estate and how are they doing? How are they operating? What's going on with them? He was very concerned and I love that about him. And so, um, again, he is saying that every time I pray for you, I make requests with joy. And I'm very sure of this, that the God who started a good work in you will bring it to completion no matter what's going on. So even though he's hearing the things that he's hearing that we're about to get into, he's saying, I'm still praying for you with joy and I have peace that 
um, God that started a work within you, his work was good and he's going to continue to bring that work to completion. What are your thoughts so far just on that introductory portion? Yeah, I mean, that's a beautiful, beautiful segue um, into kind of the back half of the, the chapter. Um, you know, you had said that the title was Peace on Purpose. And, you know, you spent a lot of time talking about peace. And that was one of the things that I saw um, kind of throughout this whole book was purpose. Um, and so um, it's, it's crazy how divine the, the, the title ended up coming out to be without us even mm. realizing that we were on two different ends of the spectrum, but it all <laughs> was interwoven. So that, I thought that was, that was just beautiful. But um, how you ended uh, with verse six um, kind of goes into that purpose. So he has this piece that he's kind of, um, you know, charging them with. But then, you know, when you said verse six, it says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So when he prays, he has such a peace because of the purpose that he knows is in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, and so, um, you know, just starting with verse uh, nine, um, it says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more uh, with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Uh, verse 11, filled with the fruit, of, the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So what I love about that is that Paul saw the attention to intention that needed to be given to our faith. Like he saw that it wasn't just, hey, you, you you love the Lord. Okay, you in here. Like, we're good. Let's have a party. Mm-hmm. But he saw the fact that our faith didn't just stop. Um, and again, like you, you set it up so beautifully about a man that knew trouble. You know, he knew chaos. He knew hardship. And he understood that even in the midst of that, that there was still a purpose. There was still a a way in which he was supposed to live his life despite everything that was going on around him. And yeah. so because he knew that he was able to then look at and say, look, like, I know that you have love for one another. I know you have love for God, but he's saying, I want that to abound more and more. So don't stop at salvation. Don't stop at what you, you felt that you have now, like continue in that. And then he says with knowledge and discernment, when I saw that knowledge and discernment that actually came out in two other passages where I saw that word discernment, um, it was in Hebrews five fourteen, um, mm-hmm. and we, we talked about that, um, a ton, but, um, Hebrews five fourteen says, but solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Um, and then Romans 12, two, um, says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So those all mm-hmm. kind of sound pretty close to the same. Again, thinking back to verse six, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So this love that abounds with knowledge and discernment, he's basically saying, I want you to have this so that you can approve what is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and going back to Romans 12, what is excellent? The will of God. And then Hebrews five, like solid food is for the mature because they are able to, because of repetitive practice, because of continuing to feed themselves yeah. with the word, they're able to now understand and discern the difference between good and evil. So mm-hmm. I love the fact that he's basically saying like, you got to stay in this thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, despite what's around you, like you got to keep going because you're going to face some things, but I want you to stay closely connected to and grounded just as like you said earlier, like how he was, because even in the midst of being in prison, he was able to praise Mm-hmm. And I don't know anybody who would have done that because I definitely would, would not be doing that. But the fact that he's able to be confident <laughs> in the fact that he can do that, that comes from a deep understanding of recognizing the grace and the peace that you were talking about. So yeah. um, so just kind of moving on with that, uh, verse 9 to 10. Um, 
It says, so that you may approve what is excellent. And then because of that excellency, be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So we can't get filled without a pouring in. Like if you're not staying in the word, if you're not grounded, you're not going to get filled. And so mm-hmm. we have to constantly daily, you know, we, we talk about, you know, dying to ourselves daily. Mm-hmm. Um, that has to be a daily activity because the flesh is so quickly ready to pounce back on us if we're not willing to die to that. Uh, because we are fleshly beings. And so um, we have to constantly be filled. Was the saying Galatians 5, walk in the spirit and you want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that walk is an activity that you have to perform. <laughs> you know, it's not just like get saved and you're all of a sudden full of the spirit and, and nothing can touch you. Like, no, you have to continually uh, be full of the spirit. Yes, you'll have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but you have mm-hmm. to continue to fill yourself with the fruit of righteousness. Um, and then it says at the end, uh, to the glory and praise of God. His purpose um, and his focus was always about God. It was always about the Father. Um, and he ended that by saying to the glory and praise of God. And he also prayed the same way in Ephesians 3 uh, when he says, uh, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Um, and it goes into that. Um, and, the, and the end of that, he says to him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So he pretty much flipped and said the same thing that he said to the church in Ephesus, mm-hmm. to the church in Philippi. And that's what I love is that his message never changed because he understood the consistency of what that meant by having a love, being grounded in that love and letting that love surpass anything else that we think outside of um, in, in the natural realm. So right. uh, I just love his purpose and the fact that he was able to stay so laser sharp about that throughout everything that he dealt with. Because I know for us, and we've talked about it in, in other podcasts, that we change and we're so circumstantial with how we respond to our faith. And that's not what we get from somebody who faced way more than we've ever dealt with. Right. That And that's a scary thing because, right, like we have such a, <laughs> I want to say kind of like, what's the the word that they kind of used to refer to people, the silver spoon people, Mm. right? We kind of have that kind of silver spoon experience in the faith in our American modern day Christianity, if you think about it, compared to the things that our patriarchs and biblical forefathers went through, you know, we're not having to walk through literal lion's dens. We're not getting sent into fiery furnaces and having to literally say like, we know that our God is able to save us, but even if he doesn't, you know, we're still not going to bow. There's so many things that we don't have to um, deal with. And the persecutions that we have are substantially different (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. than how they are. And I'm not trying to minimize the um, severity of how weighty they do feel because every one of us do feel a degree of weightiness to our challenges and our trials and our difficulties. However, what you said was super key is our responsiveness to it. How we respond to it is super key to how we are trained in God, how we are trained in the word. Um, And just like you said, having our senses trained to discern good and evil, well, how we respond to life situations is based on how we have trained ourselves. Mm. So if you've trained yourself well, your default will be to the level of your training. But if you have no good roots or deep roots, you're going to revert back to whatever you reverted back to. Um, And it's kind of like one of those things with the Matthew um, verse with the the house that was built on the solid foundation and the house that was built on sand, right? 
um, when the winds come and the things blow, if your house is built on sand, you will not stand, which means that if you are built on the solid foundation of the rock of the word of the Lord, you'll be able to stand because it's not if storms come, it is when mm. they come, yeah. they are going to come. And so, you know, Paul is just urging the saints, you know, to live in a state of the joy of the Lord. And he's not saying like, you know, you have to be super happy and smiley and all that stuff. We're not trying to say that, but at the same time, you can't be doom and gloom and just wearing depression either when you're going through. Um, but but the joy of the Lord is a difference than an external happiness. Um, it's literally exhibiting uh, the peace that is on the inside of you. And again, that peace allows you to react to the situations of your life that, you know, stabilizes you regardless Like you are just trusting the Lord no matter what. So that kind of leads us into our first point, which is purposeful perspective, because you literally choose a peaceful mindset. Like having peace on purpose is choosing a peaceful mindset. So when we look at verse 12, it says, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's talking about him being arrested and imprisoned. So, you know, a lot of times people will, um, in general, not just at that time, but in general, people can look at stuff like that and they can just start thinking all kinds of random things like, oh no, why is this happening to him? Oh no, why is this happening to us? And all these things. But he's saying, I want you to know that I have peace about what's happened. And what happened to me is serving to advance the gospel in the cause of Christ. Mm. Verse 13, he says, everyone here at this prison that I am in, including the whole palace guard knows that I am in chains because of Christ. I'm not here for crime. I'm not here for sin. I am in here for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, verse 14, most of the brethren have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and are more, more bold to speak the word without fear. So when we can exhibit this level of peace in a trial or a situation such as this, brethren who are on looking or hear about what is going on, know your affairs and then know that this is how you're responding, they are they can become fortified by your um, steadfastness and by the peace that you are exuding. And then that shows the influence that he had to be able to give them boldness to speak the word of God without fear. So it caused them to have a sense of peace. And then in verse 15, it says, some of the brethren preach out of jealousy and rivalry others preach with pure motives. So clearly not everyone out here um, was doing things for the right purposes, but he was focusing again on those that preach with pure motives. So we can't focus on why they're preaching, what they're preaching for, who has rivalry, who has jealousy, which one do you really want to focus on? Do you want to focus on that? Or do you want to focus on the ones that are preaching for pure motives? Because you know, you're choosing where your energy is going. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. And again, uh, <laughs> peace and purpose are just interwoven with that whole thing, because like you said in verse 12, everything that has happened to him, 
he said, has served to advance the gospel. So he, he was at peace because of the purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he knew that, okay, this is advancing the gospel. So whatever happens to me is irrelevant because my focus is on God. And so as long as God is being proclaimed, mm-hmm. I'll take the hardships. Um, even in, when you look at, at the, uh, the thorn in second Corinthians, he basically said, Hey, I asked the Lord for it, but he basically said, because of the fact that this was to keep me from being um, conceited, Mm-hmm. I needed this. And so he's like, all right, I'm done. Like, that's all I needed. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. he was willing to take the focus off of himself because he knew that there was a, a an advancement of the gospel that was far greater than his worth. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what I loved. Um, he did in this book use himself a lot. He said, I, me and my a ton. But mm-hmm. every time he said that, he said it for the purpose of, of uh, benefiting the listener. He wasn't just saying it to talk about himself. He was talking about the fact that, hey, this is where I'm at, but this is what the purpose of this is for, and this is for your benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that. Um, and, and this book, I saw a lot of parallels to other portions, not only in the same book, but in other books. Um, and in this piece, I saw the parallel to 1 Corinthians 9, um, where he was talking about, um, again, preaching to others and being disqualified. But he said, um, 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23 says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, then I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So what I peeled from this is how genuine is our love for the gospel and the saints? Mm. Because I think a lot of times, um, and I don't want to get too far into this because I want to kind of talk about this at a later point, but a lot of times we focus on what we want and what's important to us. And I think that we have to get to the place that if we're in Christ and, and, you know, the Bible says in in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men. Like if we are going to say that we're the light of the world, is that what's shining or is it us? Um, Mm -hmm. And and we have to get to the place where our love for the gospel actually produces action. Um, Mm -hmm. Because we could talk a lot about the faith and we could talk about how important it is, but we don't have a love for the saints. And again, he talked about in his prayer, like, I want your love to abound. So we have to have love not only for Christ, (laughs) but for others. Um, And that love has to progress into an activity that says we're here to advance the gospel. Um, And so his, his purposeful perspective was forward progress. Um, Verse nine, he says, it is my prayer that you love abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Verse 12, he says, I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Uh, verse 18 says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Um, and then verse 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So we could see that he was all about just pushing the gospel forward. And one thing I really wanted to, to kind of touch on is that, you know, we like to use uh verse 21 a lot you know we hear this cliche among the church that you know to live is christ to die is gain and Mm -hmm. i asked that question about um you know how genuine is our love for the gospel and the saints because we are actually taking this verse out of context uh, because when you hear that like the whole passage actually says bring it or to me to live is christ and to die is gain so what's left out is for to me you know what i'm saying (laughs) 
<laughs> which those are Paul's words. That's not an anthem for the body of Christ. Where we're just out Come here saying, now. "Oh, Jesus Christ died game." Like we ain't out here like about to face death. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's not something that we all get to walk around and, and put on a T-shirt. Like that's that was really him. And if you understand that full context, like he actually is stating what that meant to him like he was basically saying yeah. like i'm hard pressed between the two he said my desire is to, to depart and, and be with christ obviously because everything he was going through yeah um, but he because for him like that was great but he says for me to stay here like that's beneficial for you so again yeah. he's not thinking about himself so when you say to live as christ dies gain like are you willing to have the same heart <laughs> that he had you know what i'm saying to be like hey like i'm out here like Life is hard. Like, and I know we kind of been joking, say, hey, Maranatha, Lord, Lord, come quickly. Like, we say that, but like, we have to be in a position where we're understanding, like, okay, if I straight up say, like, to live as Christ to die is gain, for who? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and so if we're going to say that, like, we have to understand the context behind why he said it. Um, and so basically, he's saying, like, you need me here. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. if, and we all want to go home, like, we all want to see the Lord. But, can we honestly say that there's a purpose for us staying here? Because if the Lord has not taken us, that means that we still have work to do because there is a war that we're fighting. And so if we're constantly on mission, then can we truly say that, oh, I'm just waiting for the Lord to come? Or are we going to say, well, until you get here, like, I'm going to keep grinding. You know what I'm saying? And I think we mm. sometimes just cupcake and we sit on our hands and we don't do what the Lord has for us. And so I guess I say that to say, are you, are you motivated or are you grieved by what's happening around us because nothing's going to change until we get up and do what we need to do. Right. And so if we exactly. don't get to that point, we're going to continue to see the things that we see and we're going to say, Lord, take us out. But it's like, well, I have you there to help. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and so we have to, again, change our focus and our perspective because that gives us the peace to then go out and do what we were supposed to do. That's why he's able to go to the jail cell and say, Hey, there's souls to be one here. Like, I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm imprisoned. Like this is an opportunity for me to go and have a mission field. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have that heartbeat when we go through things and so i think that again how you said that that you're so inspired by him we don't think like that often enough um so the last thing i want to say is um because of all that like we have to have an influence and so if we have influence because of who's around us like are they truly impacted by our presence or are they sick of seeing us so mm. i kind of plan words is in flu ends is are they sick of us or are they actually impacted by our presence so yeah a lot more can be said. <laughs> <laughs> so everything I want to say about that, that passage, you literally are my brain twin because you took every single thing I want to say out of that. It, Yeah. All I'm going to say is I love where you brought that from because it's so important for us to consider why we're here because what he said was key. I would love to be with the Lord, but you need me here. And I know that he's going to keep me here to help you. Because um, he said in verse 25, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for your furtherance and joy of faith. So look at where he was. And again, look at how many times he was in an unfavorable situation. And he didn't let that situation stop him from his ministry. Like, Okay, make sure I have the parchments, make sure I have what I need to write these letters to my churches, to my people, to my sons, to whoever I need to write these letters to. Make sure I have what I need to be able to still come out and get this word out. Mm -hmm. So he was never um, hindered by whatever constraints were on him, whatever restrictions were on him. He still was not bound. The gospel was not bound. Like you could not. He was ministering to people in the jail cell, palace guards, 
and his people that were keeping him were giving their lives to the Lord. <laughs> like, come on. So when you understand um, your purpose and your mission, then you really will have a piece about why you're in this cell, why you're in this job, why you're in this vocation, why you're in this location. Whatever situation you're in, you'll have peace about it because you understand that you can be useful for the purpose of the Lord. And I love how you said in verse, when you read verse 20, he says that I have courage. So just like, you know, you you said for to me to live as Christ to me, that's a personal situation. Yeah. <laughs> so even verse 20, he says, I will not be ashamed. Um, but I can say for myself that Jesus will always be honored in my body, whether I live or whether I die. But can we all say that? So it's, it's things like this, that we're not asking the Lord to give us a Pauline like situation because, you know, you want to, you want to talk big talk. And then if you were put in that same exact situation and scenario, would you still say the same things and would you still hold the same confession? Um, but yeah, that's, a, that's something you really have to have deep inside within yourself to have that peace, to be able to make those proclamations. Yeah. And, and the opposite of peace is conflict, right? So when you have conflict, that means that there's two or more opposing ideologies at war. So in order to, to speak like Paul, we have to be at rest or at peace with the kingdom agenda. Like for him, he recognized that because his purpose was was kingdom advancement, that he's able to say the things that he says. We're not thinking about the kingdom when we're in our situation, right? So <laughs> because we're not, like we're never going to be at rest until God's will is our will, right? I mean, look at Jesus. Like wow, he basically yeah. was out there crying. He was like, hey, not my will, but your will be done. Like he yeah. had peace with what he was going to go through. Like, of course he said, Lord, let the cup pass for me. But he knew that that was the mission. He knew that that's what he needed to do. And if the Lord said, I'm not taking this away from you, then he said, okay, then let's go. So yes. Did he have a moment where he was praying against that? Absolutely. But he was mm -hmm. willing to say, I'm not going to fight you. If you tell me to go, I'm going. Mm -hmm. We will continue to fight. And even in the midst of fighting, like, or in the midst of, of, of praying like we're arguing we're complaining we're doing this and that like we can't have it both ways so you're never yeah. going to be at peace mentally and have that perspective that you're talking about unless you're at peace with the will of god right yeah. and again going back to romans 12 like that we may be able to discern what is the will of god so yeah. if we know that god like us being able to have a peaceful mindset is is also at war with us understanding the sovereignty of god because if we understand the sovereignty of god then we don't look at our circumstances as like insurmountable, like because mm -hmm. we see God and everything. So yeah. if we're able to see God, then we're looking at our situation like, man, this ain't nothing. Like, Lord, either you have me here for a reason or you're going to take me out. Like mm -hmm. that changes the way that we look at our situation. But when we're so bogged down with looking just at the situation, God is not even present in our vocabulary. So why do we expect anything from him if we're only looking at the problem? Or is it for Paul, he's like, okay, this is prison. Okay. Like I can preach, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. ain't stopping me from, from my mouth still works. You know what I'm saying? We don't look at it that way. And so until we get to that point, we're not going to be at rest because it's always going to be about what we want instead of what God wants. Yeah. And we have a society that's just kind of built around now catering to our desires, our wills, and is, is encouraging and pushing us to pursue our will um, to make us very self-willed. So that's really a problem within uh, the modern society, I would say. 
Um, but that rolls us right into our second point, um, which you just beautifully set us up for with that only being at rest when God's will is our will. But our second point is having pur purposeful unity. So having the peace to be unified and first of all, being unified with God, right? Mm -hmm. In his will. Um, and so the verse that comes to my mind is Amos three and three, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Mm -hmm. So if we're walking with the Lord, <laughs> how are we supposed to walk with him if we don't agree with him? You're, you know, you're talking about conflict. How are we having a relationship with the Lord who is sovereign, who's supposed to be the Lord of our life, which if he's the Lord of your life, which means he runs the show and you don't, um, how do you have that kind of relationship if you're not in agreement with him? Mm -hmm. So that just brings us to chapter two, verse two, where he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind loving one another, working together with one mind, one accord and purpose. So back to the peace on purpose. Um, so again, having unity with God first and foremost, but then unity with others. The, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So again, if we have the mind of Christ, then we can accept the things of his will, whether or not we understand them, okay? It's not always about us understanding why he wants us to go through something. We have to trust his sovereignty and know that it's for our good and he has a reason. Um, some things don't make sense, but when sometimes we get a revelation later on and we can look back and see like, oh, wow, this is why he allowed these things to happen. It's for my good. Um, this was to prepare me. You know, a lot of times when you look at trainers and coaches and things like that, um, they don't c come to you with a formula and say, okay, how do you want to, you know, do this training program and how do you think would be best to approach your, you know, your growth and your practicing and you learning this skill or you sharpening your whatever it is, right? They don't do that. Your coach is a coach for a reason. Your trainer is a trainer for a reason. They are in a leadership position because they can, they have the foresight that you don't and they understand what it's going to take to get you from point A to point Z and they see all the steps in the letters in between that you can't comprehend. And so they know the things that you need to do, the routines that you need to take, the steps that need to be made in order for you to get the results that are desired or necessary. And so if you follow through with less resistance, <laughs> uh, less opposition, more cooperation, then you'll, it'll come together and it'll make sense why you had to do the same workout, the same workout, the same workout over and over and over and over, or this exercise or that exercise. It'll make sense later. It was building up endurance. It was building up strength. It was building up this muscle that you didn't know you had. All these different things. But like I said earlier, the training in you uh, comes out in those moments that it needs to manifest. And so in the hard times, in the struggle, in the challenge is when you have to rise to that occasion. And if that training was not already built up in you, you don't have that to fall back on because you won't have the endurance. You won't have the strength. You won't have the energy. None of that stuff will be built up in you. You won't have the muscle memory. And so it's very particular, but it's very purposeful. So again, you have to be in agreement. You have to be in the same mind and you have to work together. Um, the second thing that it says in two and eight, it says, and being found in the fashion of a man, he, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, 
even death on the cross. So purposeful unity, we need to humble ourselves and we need to become obedient. If we're supposed to have the mind of Christ and let his mind be in us as it was in Christ Jesus, we have to be humble as he was humble. And we need to become obedient the way he was willing to become obedient. Um, verse 14 and 15 says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. As you said, sometimes we're complaining in prayer, um, doing all things without murmuring and disputing. Sometimes we need to pray for ourselves against the murmuring and disputing. Um, and verse 15 says that we may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Again, something that you touched on. So um, we need to have the same attitude that Jesus had. We need to look at him as our example in selfless humility. And um, only by doing these things will we shine as lights in the world. You said something at the beginning, um, and I wrote something down. I don't remember how you said it. Uh, so I'm just going to say what I'm going to say, then you can... Uh... Let me know what you said. But you were talking about <laughs> you were talking about unity, um, and uh, I think you're talking about the relationship with God and how mm -hmm. you know we have to be able to basically surrender. Like, what does our relationship look like without surrendering? So I wrote down: surrender eliminates conflict. Mm. So in order for us to have peace, like if we don't, if we've, if we're saying that we surrendered our heart to God, that means we're no longer fighting God. Amen. So, so if that eliminates the conflict, that means we should be at peace. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, humility kills pride and pride is lonely. So if we don't get pride out of the equation, uh, because obviously humility is the opposite of pride. Um, mm -hmm. Like no one has pride for someone else. Like it's, it's all about you. Like I don't have pride for you. I have pride for me. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I want what I want. That's why there's an eye in the middle of it. Like, mm -hmm. and how you said that, that Jesus um, humbled himself and became obedient. Like those two things go hand in hand. Like you're humbling yourself and then you're becoming obedient. Like, like surrender yeah. and submission come from the ability to be humble enough to say, okay, like this ain't necessarily I would have did it. Like I, I have my own agenda, but yeah, I'm going to be obedient. So yes, humility. And obviously nobody wants to be humbled, but that's, that's the point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not about you. So the fact that he humbled himself to the point of death, like you're going to have to die to your will. You're going to have to die to yourself. Um, and I love what the example that Christ gave to us in that situation. Like he wasn't concerned with equality with God, um, who was Satan, right? And we see what happened to him. And so now we have this entire fight, uh, like our entire um, worldview is set up between <laughs> that whole regime of, I want to be like God and pride and then humility of Christ and, and us taking on the same uh, mindset. Um, but he wasn't concerned with, with equality with God. He emptied himself. He became a servant. He humbled himself and he was obedient. Like, I don't hear anybody saying that those are qualities that I want to emulate necessarily and, and mm -hmm. are willing to just do that with, with joy and, and exuberance and, and just excited. Yes. Like, let me be a servant. Let me just be obedient to the point of that. Like we don't say those things. I'm not saying that nobody wants a desire to do that, but those aren't easy qualities to have. And so right. the fact that, that Christ went before us and said like, look, this is the mindset to have. And then now you have Paul that is again, then coming behind him and saying like, I want to help push this agenda. 
the fact that he said like for me to stay here is beneficial like I am ecstatic that he chose to say that because uh, amen. the fact that he's like, he's given us this, you know what I'm saying? Like the fact that he's able to then say, look, like think about Christ as you're, you're walking through your life. Like, yeah, look at me. Like he could easily say, yeah, I'm in prison. What was me? But he's like, no, I'm in prison, but that's irrelevant. Like what's important is who we look at, who we look towards and, and how we can continue to look to him because he's who matters. And so, mm-hmm. That's why him staying here was was a gain. You know what I'm saying? Like it mm-hmm. wasn't just the fact that like, man, I want to be able to go back to my mansion and just be chilling. Like he's like, no, like this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do, and this is what you need. And so this message that I'm giving you, take heed to this because I want to be in heaven. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you need to hear this. Just like we, we talked about, I think it was Jude that he's like, Hey, like I, I was gonna come at you with this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I kind of need to go here. Kind of a, a similar situation where it's like, I, I need you to hear this and this is beneficial for you. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, such such a beautiful message wrapped up in this. Yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Joseph's story, though, too, in Genesis, where, you know, he obviously went through his own series of uh, pitfalls and things, you know, getting betrayed by his brothers. They left him for dead. They sold him to slavery. He ends up going to prison, falsely accused. Um, But even while he was going through all those things, he didn't have a woe is me mentality. He operated in such a way that showed the favor of God on him. And he was elevated in every place, you know, while he was in the prison, he was elevated there. While he was in the palace, he was elevated there. And ultimately we knew um, how his story ended. But, you know, once he was reunited with his family, he said, just like Paul said, he said, uh, don't think, don't feel bad for what happened. It's God who brought me here to save many people's lives. So, you know, they felt bad. They were scared that, you know, Joseph was going to retaliate on them and all this stuff. But he's like, no, don't worry about that. Like God did this. He brought me here. This is how I needed to get here. And so just again, that purposeful perspective, because we all can look at what people have done to us, but God works things for our good. And he said, you intended to harm me, but God made it good. You know, you had one thing in mind, but God had a different intention. So, um, just the last thought I have on this kind of section is um, verse 12 in chapter 2. He says, um, So then, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is, to cultivate it, bring it to full effect, and actively pursue spiritual maturity with fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. So just again, um, his presence being that influence to encourage us, to um, cause us to think about our ways, to um, push us towards literal, you know, pursuit of spiritual maturity, um, really having serious consideration for um, evaluating our, ourselves, really taking holiness spiritually seriously um, and looking at how things we may do uh, could potentially offend the Lord. And we have to, again, just think about the nature of who he was speaking to with, the, with this church, that some people had come to kind of discredit his teachings. Some people had come 
to shift their mindset. And some individuals were starting to adopt those worldly mindsets or to blend them. And so he's saying like, you need to evaluate yourself um, according to the word to make sure that you avoid anything that might offend God or discredit his name. Um, so just as you always obeyed before, continue to obey it even more so now. Do you have anything else in that um, section that you wanted to talk about? You, you did it to me because I because <laughs> I want to <laughs> I want to sit on that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be brief because uh, everybody likes to say that work out your own salvation situation, and that's that's all in there, and I'm I'm, I'm not gonna hang out there. But <laughs> again, there was a purpose for that, just as how he said to live as Christ to die as gain. Like there's a purpose okay. there, like and and I think you hit it so beautifully that we need to be thinking about our salvation. So we need to be using serious caution, like you said, and be self-evaluating because as we get into the bottom half of that, when he goes into verse 14, he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The first ministry that I, I talked about earlier um, was the ministry where I became a youth pastor and we were called spotlight. And this was our theme verse. Um, and to be able to explain to a teenager to do everything without complaining, <laughs> first of all, that's difficult, <laughs> right. but think about what grumbling and disputing is like, for one, it's a sin, um, because I think it takes away the, the focus of like, you're not able to look at God when you're grumbling, mm -hmm. like it's hard to be, to grumble and be humble at the same time. Right. right. So if you're humble and you're a servant and you're obedient, like when I think about a servant, like you just shut up and go to work. Like you're not thinking about anything else other than this. You just do it. Like that's that's your role. You just you hash it out. When we're complaining, like we're thinking about our displeasure, our dissatisfaction, as opposed to actually thinking about anything that can be deemed as good. Because again, if the passage says that god knows what's good for us if everything we do and everything that god has given us is, is good because if he understands the good and perfect will mm. then we have to be able to understand what's what god says is good not oh. what we think is good yeah. um a, a pastor friend of mine says uh, critical to understanding god's sovereign goodness amidst undesirable circumstances is a biblical understanding of what is deemed good by god so again paul's entire life was undesirable circumstances as you mentioned earlier mm-hmm but that was good to God, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because again, that was the advancement of the gospel. We would look at that situation and say that's undesirable, which is not good. We're now changing the definition of good. And so now we can't see the goodness of God in a negative situation. So what he's saying is do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. If you go back to verse to chapter one, verse nine and 10, he says, mm -hmm. it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve mm -hmm. what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So pure and blameless in chapter one, chapter two, blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. So he's getting us to this point of like, look, <laughs> if you have the right mindset, you're actually sanctifying yourself because you're able to see God. 
not yourself. Like mm-hmm. if God is good, then everything that comes in front of you, you're able to see God in. And if God's in it, then it's good because you're able to see the purpose behind it. So that's why I love peace and purpose together because you're able to have peace when you recognize the purpose. Like mm-hmm. you talked, you talked about Joseph. Like Joseph had a dream when he was younger, and he's able to 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 hang on to that, understanding that God, you gave me this dream. So despite yeah. what I'm going through, at the end of this, like this dream is going to come to pass because you gave it to me. We know the end. You know what I'm saying? Like, why are we letting the devil win? And we're always saying, oh, the devil made me do this. Or, or, or it's the enemy and he's attacking. Like, you're letting him win when you already understand that he's defeated. So you're giving him victory by letting your circumstances outweigh God. Mm-hmm. So if we can get to that point, like, stop complaining. Like, yes, nobody likes their, their circumstances when they're, when they're ugly, myself included. But if I spend too much time talking about my circumstances, I'm complaining, then I'm I'm basically looking at God as like, God, I'm not in a good situation. Like, God, you can't take care of me where I'm at right here. Like, you're not yeah. anywhere in the situation. So therefore, until I, I get the, the cattle on a thousand hills, I'm just going to kick back and just wait until you have a better situation for me. And I don't, I'm not on mission in a negative situation. Whereas mm-hmm. Paul's like, Regardless of where I'm at, the mission is still the mission. And that doesn't change because I am called. And so that call is not dependent on where you're at. The call is the call. That's what I love about mm-hmm. that. So um, Philippians 2, uh, verse 1 through 3, it says, so if, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or com- conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves so usually you're complaining about something that someone else did or something you don't like which means Mm -hmm. it always is about that situation and it's never you (laughs) (laughs) so again what is our mindset and and i say that to say um and and I'll, i'll close with this as we're talking about unity is what is our response to the local church because Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says that I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness. Verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So if we're connected to the body of Christ, if we're connected to Christ, Ephesians 3 says that he wants his glory to be filled and complete through the church. So if Christ's glory is in the church, what is our response to that? Like, how do we interact with other individuals that are in the body of Christ that I think should help shape and, and get this mind. Like everything comes from the mind, right? Like yeah. 12, one be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like yeah. we want to grumble. We want to fight. We want to, to bicker and, and complain and, and do all these natural things that carnal people do. But that's why he's always talking about our mind because it's not that we can't, it's that we won't. And so, exactly. and, and I say that not disrespectfully, but understand the root of those words. The root of can't is you can. So we can't, like we get that. Apart from mm-hmm. Christ, like there's things that we need the spirit of God to do because his divine power gives us the ability to, to be victorious in these circumstances. So we know that we can't apart from Christ. But then when we get to the fact that we won't, that the root of that is will. So what is our right. will? And when we, you know what I'm saying? When we Come won't, it's, it's not that we can't, it's that we won't, which means we're not surrendering to God, which now we're in conflict again with mm-hmm. his will because we won't. So 
God has given us all things, right? Second Peter, like yes. you can keep going back there. Like if he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, then you should never be able to say, I can't because right. he can in you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so because That's he right. can, you don't get to say, I can't apart from him. If you're apart from him, then okay, I ain't gonna fight with you. But when you're in Christ, God has given you the ability to conquer. And if you choose mm-hmm. not to, that's because you won't, not because you can't. Absolutely. You see, <laughs> I <laughs> you get me started and I'm gonna try to keep myself together. But everything you just said, all of that goes right back to the whole point of 2 and 12, where it said you had the whole point of working out your whole salvation with fear and trembling. But when I read in Amplified, he said, continue to work out your salvation, actively pursuing spiritual Mm. maturity. So if you desire to, you will. You can because you have the capacity to do it, but it's about your desire to do it. And the issue is that we're not actively pursuing spiritual maturity and we're not executing serious caution and we're not critically self-evaluating ourselves. We're basically pacifying and justifying and that's just not okay. So I'm not going to go in cause I know we'll be here. <laughs> okay. So we're just going to move into our third point of purposeful joy and um, that is having the peace to rejoice. And so in, Greek, uh, rejoice is Cairo. It means full of cheer, to be calmly happy or well off and to be glad. So in 3.1, he says, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write these things, the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. Um, So the first thing he's saying is to rejoice in the Lord. Again, to be full of cheer, to be calmly happy, to be well off, to be glad. So whatever is going on, he it's like a blanket statement. It doesn't matter what's happening to you, what's going on around you. Um, and in Peter, we have talked about how he said um, this, the same things are, the same afflictions are happening to your brethren in the world. So your situation is not unique. You may be going through this particular thing, but someone somewhere else is going through something else or somewhere someone somewhere else is going through your similar situation. But either way, no matter what it is, all of you all should be able to rejoice in the Lord. Mm. Um, And then he reiterates that in chapter four, verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice. (laughs) In case you didn't hear me the first time. Yes, I said rejoice in the Lord always. (laughs) So you mean all the time? Yes, always. (laughs) Again, I say rejoice. So it just kind of brings all of those things together and just having peace and joy. Um, one is not without the other. You have joy and peace is present. And when you have peace, you're able to exhibit joyfulness uh, because of that state of calm and basically just being well off. Um, One of the things that reminds me of is Paul said that he had learned in whatsoever state he was in to be content. And so he could have and he could have not and he could be hungry and he could be fed. And that's one of the things that I love that I think you would appreciate because, you know, when you talked about that to live as Christ and to die as gain, one of the things that people always steal is I can do all things through Christ, Mm. put them in gyms, put it on your wall and all this. But you need to read the part before that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the part before that is why he said <laughs> yes <laughs> <can do> all 
So let me read that for yeah. you yeah. real quick. Uh, back to what I said originally, he says, so not that I speak in respect of want, because I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith in those states, whatsoever they be, to be content in those states. Verse 12, he says, I know how both to be abased and to how to be abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Then comes your favorite. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Mm -hmm. So you can do what things, how to be abased and how to abound through Christ that strengthened you. You can be full and be hungry and to suffer need through Christ that strengthens you. How? Because he learned and he was instructed. How? Through the word of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so we're going to claim these things. What things are you doing through Christ that strengthens you? He's not saying to pump the iron. Yeah. He's not saying to lift the weights through Christ. Yeah. <laughs> that is not, that's what you're talking about out of context, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. How? Through Christ that strengthens you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your thoughts on that? Purposeful yeah. joy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to let that lay, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know my favorite verse is Hebrews 10, right? <laughs> of course. So, you know, he's basically saying, uh, you know, consider how to stir one another's love and good works. Don't forsake assembly of the brethren. Mm -hmm. um, this purposeful joy, what I saw in that was uh, Philippians 4, um, 1 through 3, he's talking about the brethren being his joy and his crown. Um, verse 3, he says, uh, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. Um, there was a joy in love and service for others that I think was commendable. And why I love Hebrews 10 so much is because not only does it tell us to consider, which means we should be studying how to provoke people to love and good works, mm -hmm. but also it says, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. So mm -hmm. he had a joy in being with other believers. Mm -hmm. Again, when we go back to the great commit, the great commandment, which is, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Like right. we got that first one down pat. Like we don't have a problem loving the Lord. Like, yeah, we, we probably need to <laughs> slow down on a few things. But Like if I said genuinely, like, do you love God as a believer? You'd probably say, yes. Do you need to stop doing a few things? Yes. You know, that's the process of sanctification. So no fault there. But then when we get to this, love the neighbor as yourself, like that's where all this, like, grumbling and disputing like all of that really comes <laughs> deep into play like when you get into purposeful unity like that comes into play like he loved people so mm -hmm. much that he was joyful to pray for them like yeah. to, to believe with them to say like even though i'm in jail and i wish i was not here because i would be with my father you need me here and that's okay for me like mm -hmm. In all of that, like the again, we keep talking about the 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 peace, but the joy that he had in being able to say that, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what I think is, is so commendable is that his love for people extended to the point where it was genuine. It wasn't just like, ah, well, you're in the church, so I guess I gotta love you. No, like he showed it so much to the point 
that basically he's saying like I'm laboring with people and when I can't get there with you I'm sending somebody who who I would vouch for like is yes. with me you know what I'm saying like, right so I get out of that like stop fighting you know what I'm saying like again chapter two says do all things without grumbling or disputing like we shouldn't be fighting against believers we should be fighting with believers which means mm-hmm. we, if we're laboring side by side in the gospel if we all have this unity as we were talking about earlier then we should be joyful and realizing that we're not in this alone so if we do have somebody that we're able to rub shoulders with why are we beefing with these people like right. why is the church so disorganized and, and disunified and, and, yeah. and disjointed because we can't grumble and be joyful to, at the same time like okay. and if we're disappointed like we, we can't be happy and grumble. So are we able to get to the place where we're able to say, I, I do rejoice. Does it make us happy that we're going to the house of God? Like genuinely okay. happy. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like we're blessed. Even if we don't get anything else after today, like today I can say I'm blessed. And it's not because I have a million dollars in the bank that like, we have so much. And I think we talked about that in, in Peter, that the Lord has given us all these spiritual blessings or mm-hmm. Ephesians rather. Like we have everything that we need yet we still think about things that we don't have right. <laughs> you know what i'm saying so like that's perspective what does that mean when we think about the lord in that situation so um yeah we we have to again like you you said that joy is not happiness joy is this this deep internal contentment and and you i ain't even gonna touch what you said about <laughs> about about paul about being able to do all things but like Again, he's saying and, and giving his example and his testimony to be able to say, like, look, it's possible. Like, I'm not out here bragging. Like, it's difficult, but it's possible. Are you willing to look at Christ? Because that's the only way it's going to be possible is if you have your focus on the Father. Mm-hmm. And that kind of brings me to my um, climax of Philippians, because I feel like this is where my meat and potatoes is, is uh, Philippians for six through eight and uh you know even though it's still on the joyful topic it really um fortifies the point of peace um through this as well and so four six says do not be anxious or worried about anything what is anything literally anything bills people conflict problems, fears, issues, what someone's saying, what somebody might say, what you think they might say, what you think they might do, what you have, what you don't have. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be worried about anything, but in everything, in every circumstance, in every situation, by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. So, as you were saying, you know, we're blessed even without what we don't have. Mm-hmm. So when we're coming to God, asking him for what we need, we have to remind ourselves of Matthew, where he says to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added. He says, consider the lilies, consider the birds of the air. Don't, don't you know that your heavenly father knows the things that you need before you even ask of them? If he feeds them and he provides for them, don't you think he's going to provide even more so for you? Oh, you of little faith. Mm, he values you more than those things. You are of greater value than a sparrow. You are of greater value than a lily. But yet 
God will take care of you. Do you not trust him to take care of you and he takes care of them? They don't even have jobs. They don't work. They don't do anything for themselves and God provides for them daily. Will he not do even more for you? And so he's saying to pray to God with thanksgiving. So just like you were saying, thank him for what you do have. Be grateful for what you do have. Be content with what you already have. Like we just talked about Paul saying that I have learned in whatsoever state I'm in to be content therein and continue to pray and make your request known to God. But when we're seeking God in his kingdom, his righteousness, he's going to take care of all the other things because he knows what we need before we ask him. So he's not going to let his seed beg for bread. There's so many things in the word of God to talk about his provision for his children and all the things that God knows that we need. Why do we ever have to worry about it? God is faithful. And for him to be a provider in Jehovah Jireh, how will we ever know him as the provider if we never give him an opportunity to provide? Hmm. If we're never in a place of need for him to show up in that need, if we're never in a place to need healing, how will we ever know him as our Rafa, right? Like we need to be in positions in order to declare those things for our true selves. So I can truly say like, that is my provider. He has come through. He has never failed me. Right. Mm. Um, and then we go into verse seven. It says, God's peace will sustain those whose minds are fixed on them. It says the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. His peace is not the peace that the world gives, like we talked about earlier. It's going to keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And Isaiah 26 and 3 says that God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed or stayed on him because he trusts you. So if we are constantly, purposefully fixing our mind on God's promises, on his truth, on his word, what he has said, who he just truly is, who we know him to be, what he's done for us before. Um, he will sustain us because you cannot worry and be at peace at the same time. Nope. Those things cannot happen. Worry and peace does not coexist. And then four and eight says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, are honest, are just, are pure, are lovely, are of good report, if there's any virtue or any praise, think on these things. So it's in your hands what you choose to set your mind on and dwell on. And I often refer to this part because it, it kind of sums up everything we've talked about with the purposeful, purposeful um, mindset and perspective. Um, you have to, you have a choice about what you're setting your mind on. You're choosing whether things are true or untrue that you are dwelling on. You are choosing if things are um, pure or impure. Now, just because a thought is introduced doesn't mean you have to entertain a thought. You get to choose what thoughts you are going to keep, dwell, hold on to, entertain, or dismiss. And so that's really powerful for us to understand that um, what we continually think on, what we center our mind on, what we implant is going to be what we store up in our heart. What are your thoughts on that? I love that. Um, you said something about, oh, ye of little faith. Um, and I, I think I want to just hit that um, in closing is 
he said, are you of little faith? They had faith, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's not talking to people who didn't have faith. They had faith. They just shrunk in big moments. Mm. Wow. And, and what I, I think Paul is trying to get across in this book is that we can't, if we're going to trust the Lord, we have to trust the Lord. And like you said about him being a provider, we can't get to a place where, like, we don't have to have faith in something that we already have faith in, right? So mm -hmm. when I flick my light switch, like, I don't even think about it. I, I hit it and I keep moving. Like, I don't sit there and think, man, it's like, come on. And like, let me wait a few seconds. What happens? <laughs> like, I flip it and I know what's going to happen. Like you said, that we have to, I think trials happen to give us the ability to to grow in our faith because mm -hmm. it is those moments where okay lord like my light was coming on it was coming on was coming on. okay something something's different now i have to have a different level of faith to trust you but because of what has happened in the past that's the point of being able to now use that to go forward so that trial doesn't change god it gives you the ability to make sure that you still know that god is who he said he was amen that's where i think we need to summarize the situation because again, like we were talking about the difference between kind of weak and idle earlier, but this is where the rubber meets the road is that your faith is on display in these situations. Mm -hmm. God is God. Like God's just waiting to flex. But if you don't right. think he can flex, he's not going to, because you're not, you're not speaking to him in that, in that light. You're not pursuing him to say, okay, God, like I'm looking out for you. Like, where are you? you're complaining that he's not there when he's like, I'm here. I just need you to, to call me differently, to exercise a different level of me, mm. not think about what you thought was going to happen because this is the way it always happened. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, but you're looking mm. at me differently because you expected something differently. Mm. That's your perspective. That's not me changing. That's you thinking the situation is different. And so right. keep your eyes on me. I'm still the same. You just now get to call me Jehovah Jireh versus Jehovah Nisi. You know what I'm saying? Like we get to call <laughs> you an attribute, but you're still That's God. Right. You know what I'm saying? Amen. So I'm letting you see more of me by you going through what you're going through. Otherwise, you're just going to say, okay, well, he's my father. Okay, that's it. I'm just going to be a dad to you then. Because you're not letting me exercise myself in all these other areas. Wow, because wow. you're not letting your trials shape you. And that's the purpose. Again, he said, and, and James, count it all joy because this develops patience and let patience have its perfect work that you may be mm. complete and entire, not lacking anything. You're lacking because you're not letting God do his thing. Wow. So... I'm going to stop there. I'm going to save the rest for the IG. Um, but I just wanted to, to kind of throw that out because you, you, you tweaked it on me at the end there. And I was like, you know what? I want to hit that. And that, I think that's a good cycle. So. That was a yeah. perfect end. Literally, that was a mic drop moment. Like, I just feel like we just owe prayer, but I don't even want to. I feel like I can't even say prayer. <laughs> <laughs> that was just awesome. That was so awesome. Oh. Well, I'm not going to touch it, but I'm going to just tell you, you're amazing. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. And uh, you're just the bomb. <laughs> well, I can do without you. So, <laughs> Ooh, Dear God, we just thank you so much. Uh, first of all, just for your peace. Thank you for your word that um, gives us peace and for the, the fact that you always, your presence um is always with us and you are our peace. You are the Prince of Peace. And we just thank you, God, for all the times that you have kept us in your peace, um, all the times that you will keep us in your peace. And, and Father, for anything that we heard today that we need uh, you to help us to grow, to step up, to 
shape us, mold us more, um, to refine us in. We surrender and submit to you right now, God. Um, we want to be better. We want to have a purposeful, peaceful perspective. We want our mind to be renewed and shifted to your will um, and to your kingdom agenda. We want to have purposeful unity with you and with others. Help us to be unity initiators, Father. Mm. Help us to be unity pursuers, Father. Um, we pray, Father God, that you would help us, Lord, to have purposeful and peaceful joy in our lives. Help us, God, to not allow situations that you have said have to happen to shape us, to mold us, to develop us in our faith, to grow us in ways that we don't even comprehend. Forgive us, Lord, for all the times that we did not cooperate, the times that we um, did not appreciate the times that we grumbled and complained mm -hmm. about what we had to experience, Father, what we are going through that we didn't like, that don't like. Uh, forgive us, Lord. And we just ask that you would just give us a heart that just humbles ourselves and obeys, humbles ourselves and obeys. And Father, lastly, we just pray that <clears throat> you would help us to have hearts that pursue maturity on purpose, Lord God, uh, that we can have purposeful maturity in you, Lord, that we strive to grow in you, that we strive to grow in your word, and that we strive to examine ourselves every time we are faced with your word, every time we sit under the hearing of your word, Lord God. Uh, let us have spiritual soils that are well ready and willing to receive you receive your truth and to faithfully and willingly execute and walk out what you have taught us lord we love you so much and we're so grateful to you it is in jesus name that we pray amen amen thank you for listening to her bro his sis catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you our family in christ want to chat or just stay in the know? Catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Herbro His Sis.